0: to Holy Shenanigans. I'm your muse, Tara Lamont Eastman, a creative, a feminist, and a pastor. In this week's episode, we're given a Jesus story about truth that leads to freedom and how Reformation calls us to be known by love above and beyond anything that tries to divide us. On Sunday, October 31st, the Lutheran Church recognizes an important holiday, that you might think is Halloween because it is October 31st. But no, Lutherans celebrate Reformation on this day. This is the day that we honor Luther's boldness to nail 95 theses, or letters of truth-telling, on the door of the Castle Church in Wittenberg, Germany. On this day, Luther nails 95 revolutionary options that would begin the Protestant Reformation, hand-delivered on the door of the Pope. We honor Luther's persistence on this day to make sure money and status are not barriers for people to know, worship, and to have peace with God, and to be welcomed into the community that is the church. Following the posting of these letters on the Pope's door on October 31st, 1517, Luther's life takes a dramatic turn, and he is excommunicated and sought out by the powers that be. Some, excited by his action, encouraged him to start his own branch of the church and to name it for himself, Lutheran. But Luther's response to this request was I ask that people make no reference to my name. Let them call themselves Christians, not Lutherans. What is Luther? After all, the teaching is not mine. Neither was I crucified for anyone. How then should I, poor, stinking, maggot fodder that I am, Come to have people call the children of Christ by my wretched name. Not so, my dear friends. Let us abolish all party names and call ourselves Christian. Considering that I'm telling you about the significance of Reformation Day to Lutherans, you can see that Luther didn't have a lot of luck in keeping his name out of the church and having us simply be called Christian. Luther didn't even intend for his letters to cause a breakaway from Mother Church. But due to lots of challenges, the Protestant Reformation led to the Lutheran and many other offshoots of what is understood as the Protestant Christian Church. All of this reminds me of that line from the film A Few Good Men. Apparently, Mother Church couldn't handle the truth, so the bearers of this teaching of inclusion unexpectedly begin the work of setting out their own shingle as a new branch of the church, worms and all. Luther was far from perfect, but his work in the church made a lasting impact. Luther had an epiphany when realizing that the grace of God overwhelmed all the wrongdoings of people, that it's not works that brings us into the family of God, but grace, God's grace. In this week's Gospel lesson, Jesus speaks of truth and how truth can set us free. How we are, in Christ, no longer slaves to sin. Because if the Son makes you free, you are free indeed. And thinking about Luther's Reformation and this Jesus story of how truth can set people free, I want to know more about how inclusive community really works. How do people with so many different perspectives live freely in truth and stick together. The answer to this question about sticking together and living in truth comes by way of wisdom from Bishop Desmond Tutu. And that word is Ubuntu. Ubuntu speaks of the very essence of being human. We say, hey, so-and-so has Ubuntu. Then you are generous, you are hospitable, you are friendly and caring and compassionate. You share what you have. It is to say, my humanity is caught up, is inextricably bound up in yours. We belong in a bundle of life. We say, a person is a person through other persons. In a church that looked and lived in response to its namesake Christ, we as siblings should live and work together. We would not be loners or accept people being made into outcasts. We would be unique and graceful. We would be connected, cared for, and make true community through actions of Ubuntu. Respect, humanity, connections, partnership, and relationship. All of this talk of Ubuntu brings me back to a holy shenanigans story about a friend who who asked me an important question, who is on your bus? Many years ago, my friend and mentor, Pastor Becky, challenged me to answer that question, who is on your bus? She wanted to know, who are the people that share love and compassion with you? Who are the people that remind you to pay attention to your spiritual life? Who are the people that challenge you to grow Who are the people that speak hard truth to me when I need it? And who was it that prayed for me and supported me in my daily life? Becky wasn't talking about a bus that I'd take to the store. Becky was talking about a bus of support and care that would carry me throughout my whole life. Becky's question of who is on my bus helps me to remember the importance of love and how love, when it's lived out in the people who care for me, Help to mend my fraying, seems. So in thanks to Becky who first posed this question to me, I give this question to you. Who is on your bus to help you answer this question? Here are some suggestions on some places to start in the work of filling up your very own Ubuntu bus. First and foremost, it's important to know that God is already with you on your bus God, creator, higher power, whatever term you use, God is already with you on your bus. Second, we need truth tellers on our buses. People like Luther, who will boldly post 95 post-its of truth to our fridge when we'd rather just keep the status quo, quo. We need voices like Nelson Mandela and Bishop Tutu that call us to speak up against discrimination and invite us to engage in our God-given bundles of humanity with grace and Ubuntu. Third, we need parents, friends, and family on our buses. Those supports that occur by blood relation and those that God places as surrogate family exactly where and when we have a need. We need flesh and blood people to be on our buses. Number four, we need helpers professional, medical, and mental health, educational, spiritual helpers too, authors, doctors, therapists, teachers, counselors, pastors, spiritual directors, people that can help us to unpack challenges that may be more specialized than some of our other busmates may have experience in. So finally, when we have this bus of support, we have more opportunity to hear the truth that will set us free. The kind of truth that helps us on the bumpy road of life to be a person of Ubuntu that curates a community of love and to help us capture a little bit more of this vision of Ubuntu. Listen to this statement from Desmond Tutu. A person with Ubuntu is open and available to others. Affirming of others does not feel threatened that others are able and good For he or she has proper self-assurance that comes from knowing that he or she belongs in a greater whole and is diminished when others are humiliated or diminished, when others are tortured or oppressed, or treated as if they were less than who they are. We all need to have people on our buses. Just like children need help getting ready for school, we need help on our journey each day too. So who is on your bus? When Pastor Becky asked me, who is on your bus? I had to stop to really see and think about who was there as well as who was not and do some work and ask some more people to be on my Ubuntu bus. So just as Pastor Becky asked me, I'm asking you, who is on your bus? And how can we work together to make sure you have what you need? In support, in truth telling, and for freedom. In the spirit of the Reformation, of truth telling, Ubuntu, and living the love of God out in our buses, churches, and the world, I was reminded of the hymn, We Are One in the Spirit. This hymn was partially penned in reference and reflection to John 13, where Jesus gives a new commandment to his followers love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. The hymn was also penned because of a priest in 1966 who was activated by the civil rights movement on the south side of Chicago. The story goes that parish priest Peter Schultes worked with the youth choir And he knew that there was an urgent need to find a song that the young people could sing at an ecumenical interracial event. He searched for a song that revealed what the church's stance was on the civil rights movement and to show support of it. He also wanted to find a song that worked well with the folk music style of the day. Finding nothing, he wrote the song in a single day. And soon after it was performed by his youth choir, it quickly became a companion to We Shall Overcome, the mantra of the Civil Rights Movement. The story about this hymn goes on to say that there was a woman in the youth choir in the 60s who was one of the first to sing the song, and she later passed down a poignant story that she shared with her son about the first night it was sung. The youth choir decided to change one word of the lyric, and it brought tears of joy to their choir leader and composer during its performance. The original lyric said this, We are one in the Spirit, we are one in the Lord. We are one in the Spirit, we are one in the Lord. And we pray that all unity may one day be restored, and they'll know we are Christians by our love, by our love. They will know we are Christians by our love. When the choir got to the third line that read and we pray that all unity may one day be restored the choir changed the words from one day to this day and sang it out loudly we are one in the spirit we are one in the lord we are one in the spirit We are one in the Lord, and we pray that all unity may this day be restored. And they'll know we are Christians by our love, by our love. They will know we are Christians by our love. Blessings to you. On This day of reformation, this day of truth-telling, this day of Ubuntu, of building support and love on our buses, as well as sharing love in the world that can be seen and heard. Until next time, remember that a person is a person through other persons, that my humanity is caught up, is inextricably bound up in yours. May the world know we are Christians first and foremost and always not by the name on our individual churches, but by our love for one another. May this truth most certainly be true. Thank you for joining us this week for Holy Shenanigans that surprise, encourage, redirect, and turn life upside down, all in the name of love. I'm Tara Lamont Eastman. And I am with you on this unpredictable spiritual venture that is always sacred, but never stuffy.